Okay, so we're in um, Daniel chapter 2, and I've got it printed out in a slightly more convenient format. It's not much more convenient, because it's still small. But, um, so we've got this big chapter, but we don't have to look at every uh, detail of every verse, because um, it's not that kind of book, really. It's, uh, it's a book where um, it always makes me smile, Daniel, because in Daniel you get lots of lists. And you get lots of lists here. The king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. And then later on, Daniel says, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner. And um, Daniel seems to like giving us lists like that. The, the best one is the band that plays when they all have to bow down before the statue. And they give a list of all the instruments. And they do it kind of like three or four times in that chapter. So um, it has its own character, this book. Um, but... Um, we're looking at Daniel 2, and the title, which is relevant this week, Standing on the Rock or Crushed by the Stone. It should be Crushed by the Stone, rather than the boulder, really. Standing on the Rock or Crushed by the Stone. Um, we're in Babylon, and it's 600 BC, okay? And Babylon is the great world power. Hi, just starting. Uh, Babylon is the great world power. Um, God's people, Israel, have been conquered by Babylon. Yeah? So Babylon has conquered God's people. Uh, but that isn't the way that the book of Daniel puts it. According to the book of Daniel, God's people have been delivered into the hands of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah? God's people have been delivered by God into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. So al already you've got the idea that um, history is not just something that kind of, you know, goes on, but that God is involved in history, okay? Uh, even in the bad things, even when um, the, the, the biggest world power comes and overthrows God's people. When they overthrew God's people, they did something very um, clever. They took the elite people of Israel and they took them to train them to become Babylonian, yeah? So their idea was assimilation, assimilation. Um, they were to be trained in all the ways of the Babylonians. Uh, basically, the elite were to be brainwashed, really. They were to become as if Israel had never existed. And uh, so they're taken and they're, they're given the finest training Babylon can offer so that they will be assimilated. They become more Babylonian than the Babylonians. But in Daniel chapter 1, uh, and it's, it's a, quite a, a well-known chapter, um, it's the chapter where Daniel refuses to eat the food that comes from the king's table. And Daniel draws the line. He draws the line of food. Now, um, I remember thinking about this a long time um, years ago. Uh, I think I have preached through Daniel, but a long time ago. So much so that I barely remember it. But I do remember thinking long and hard about the food and thinking uh, now that the day when we know we will really have assimilated into France is the day when we have uh, fruit de mer for Christmas lunch. Yeah? When we decide to eat uh, oysters and um, lobster uh, for Christmas lunch, then you will know that we are, we are as French as it's going to be, you know? That is, that is kind of where, where, where you... And, and we all kind of feel that, don't we? We know that. There are certain things that you kind of think, well, it's not going to happen, yeah? And for Daniel then, he drew the line at the food, yeah? He said, I'm not, I can't become Babylonian because I belong to God. I'm one of God's people. 
Okay, that's Daniel 1. So they're in exile, they're in Babylon, and they're God's people, but they've been conquered and taken away. And uh, in Daniel chapter 2, the great king, Nebuchadnezzar, who is the great king, yeah, he is the head of the um, greatest uh, power in the world, you might call him the leader of the whole world, we'll call him, yeah, for want of any better words. The leader of the whole world, he's troubled, he's perplexed, okay, we'll stop there. Alors, on est euh, 600 ans euh, avant Jésus-Christ et euh, la grande puissance mondiale, c'est Babylone. Et Babylone a vaincu euh, le peuple de Dieu. Alors, Israël a été vaincu par euh, l'armée euh, euh, babylonienne. Et euh, ce n'est pas comme ça que la Bible le dit. En fait, la Bible dit que Dieu a livré son peuple entre les mains des Babyloniens. Pourquoi Parce que c'est Dieu qui, qui règne dans, dans l'histoire de ce monde. Hein. Euh, c'est pas que Dieu il fait autre chose, quoi. tandis que l'histoire de, de ce monde a fait ce qu'elle qu veut. Non, pas du tout. Dieu est euh, fortement impliqué, vraiment il, il travaille, il œuvre dans l'histoire de ce monde. Et euh, quand le peuple de Dieu est vaincu et conquis, euh, ce qui arrive, c'est que euh, les Babyloniens, ils avaient une, euh, euh, une politique d'assimilation. Ça veut dire qu'ils prenaient tous les, les, on va dire les énarques, tous les énarques d'Israël, il n'y avait pas de en Israël, mais il y avait des énarques, voilà, c'était comme ça. Ils, ils prenaient tous les gens comme ça, les, les mieux formés, les mieux intelligents, les, les plus intelligents, les, plus, les élites, quoi. Et ils prenaient tout, toutes ces, ces gens, tous ces gens, et ils euh, les formaient dans, dans tout, toute la culture babylonienne pour qu'ils soient assimilés. C'était d'une manière, de, euh, manière du lavage de cerveau. C'était un peu ça. Euh, et on voit dans Daniel 1 que Daniel, il met euh, une limite. Il dit, bon, je ne vais pas manger la nourriture qui vient de la table du roi. Alors, c'est une grande discussion. Pourquoi Daniel refuse euh, la nourriture du roi? Personne ne sait, vraiment. Mais moi, je crois que je comprends, parce qu'en tant que Gallois, j'habite en France depuis 12 ans, euh, mais à Noël, je ne peux pas imaginer euh, euh, avoir pour le, le repas de Noël des huîtres et du homard. Ça ne ça va, ça va pas arriver. Hein. Ce n'est pas comme ça pour les Gallois. Pas à Noël. Euh, alors, le jour où on prend des huîtres à Noël et... Euh, et un bon homard, euh, on sera français, le plus français possible. C'est ça. Euh, et euh, les gens qui sont américains, les gens, les gens qui viennent euh, d'autres pays, vous savez que la nourriture, c'est quelque chose de, de, de profond, c'est quelque chose d'important. Je ne sais pas pourquoi. Euh, bon, voilà, c'est comme ça. Alors, on arrive dans Daniel 2, et ce grand roi, Nebuchadnezzar, qu'est-ce qu'on dit en français en fait pour Nebuchadnezzar Il y a quelqu'un qui, qui sait Nebuchadnezzar Comme ça D'accord. Nebuchadnezzar est perplexe parce qu'il fait des rêves qu'il ne comprend pas. Ok. Um, so we got three points, ok And we're going to scamper through them fairly quickly, I hope, because tomorrow or Tuesday I've got to do it in 10 minutes. 
Okay, number one. The powerlessness of great powers. The powerlessness of the great powers. Because here is Babylon. And you know, there's never been an empire like Babylon. Babylon was just crushing everything before it. Uh, it was the power. It was the force. Economic power. The economic power in the whole wide world belonged to Babylon. Uh, I mean, as far as anyone knew. We know that, you know, there were other economic powers in other parts of the world, but nobody knew that at that time. So it was Babylon, the great economy of the world. Militarily, the military power, it was Babylon, the cultural power. It's interesting that from chapter 2, verse 4, up till around chapter 7, I think, of Daniel, it's not written in Hebrew anymore, it's written in Aramaic, Aramaic, sorry. Aramaic is the language of Babylon. And so Daniel writes in Aramaic. It's the world language now. Yeah, it's like as if Daniel suddenly decided to write in English because that's the language everyone communicates in these days. Yeah, um, and so it's the great cultural power, but it's a limited power. Why? Because the king is confused and lost, and like all great powers, there is this point of confusion and lostness. Why? Because people don't understand. Some basic things. Where do we come from? What are we? What are people? What makes a person a person? What distinguishes us from the great apes? From, from other mammals? Why are we like we are? Where do we come from? Where are we now? What, what, what does it all mean? What's happening in the world? And then where are we going? Where are we heading? Are we going somewhere good? Are we going somewhere bad? Uh, what's going to happen? And we have the same ignorance today. That is the great ignorance of our culture, isn't it? Who are we? Uh, how should we treat each other? Does it matter? Does it matter what we do with each other? Uh, where are we now? And where are we going? Where would it all end? There's this huge ignorance. And so because of this, the king is troubled and he dreams. Now, what is the response that people have to these big questions? Where do we come from? Where are we now? And where are we going? Well, essentially, we don't think about it, do we? Generally, we don't think about it. We find meaning in our lives through various things. For example, through possessions. You know, we think, well, the goal of life is to accumulate stuff, you know? And um, if anyone here is at, in the least geeky, and I confess I am somewhat geeky, um, you know, it's fascinating, isn't it? A new, a new phone comes out and you want to know all about it. The Samsung, what is Samsung on? Number 8, isn't it? The S8, I think, is at the moment. And the S9, what will they do? At the moment, they've got curved screens. Uh, there's a lot of speculation. Samsung going to bring out a mobile phone with a folding screen. How awesome that would be. And you think, why? Why would it make any difference? Why is that going to change my life? But we all think it will, you know? And so, possessions, fashion. Uh, cars. Why? Why does it matter that a car now can do 10 miles an hour more than it could last year? You know, they've increased the power, and so you can go faster, except you can't, because it's against the law. But hey, you know, at least the car could, and that really matters. You know, my car is so much more powerful than it was last year. Why? Well, it does. Or pleasure. You know, pleasure. Um, one of the lovely things about French culture is that kind of people try to resist this power of possession, don't they? People try and resist the power of consumption, the consumer society. But we replace it with having a good meal. You know, that's, that's, that's our dream, is to have a nice meal together. 
with our friends, you know, to laugh, to joke, to discuss important things, to have an argument, uh, and then to have a really good dessert and some really good wine. Um, pleasure. Uh, that's what we try and replace it with. And, you know, there's a lot of good in that, but how far does it go? And then power, you know, getting control, getting on in your job, having uh, power over people. Well, of course, the king had all of that, didn't he? He had possessions, he had pleasure, he had power. But the trouble with all those replies is that they're all things that pass. Why? Because the car that does 10 miles an hour faster this year than it did last year will be um, bettered next year. There'll be a better model next year and your car will become last year's model. You know? As soon as you drive it off the forecourt, it loses something like a quarter of its value. You know? So all your possessions, they're dwindling. Even as you enjoy them, they dwindle. Pleasure? Well, you know, um, we get old, don't we? And some pleasures, they wear us out. Power? Well, you lose power. You can't hold on to power. And one of the things that we notice with the king is that um, he's, he's very concerned, isn't he, about power. Uh, when he makes this dream, he has this dream, um, he's dreaming because of his ignorance, his anxiety, but he becomes paranoid and violent. Look at the accusations that he launches to his poor uh, advisors. He says, um, you have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. There's a plot going on, he says. You're conspiring against me. And so the king is, essentially, is losing his grip, isn't he? He's losing his grip. Uh, as an illustration of this, uh, I was trying to think, well, who can I take as an illustration? Lots of people come to mind, really, because um, people in high position, they do tend to get a bit like this. But the one that came to my mind, and again, it says a lot about me, is Steve Jobs, the late Steve Jobs. People who worked at Apple. Now, you would think, you know, to work at Apple. Where do you work? I work at Apple. Oh, you know, how awesome to work at Apple. But people who worked in, at Apple, they dreaded ending up in the lift with Steve Jobs. It was one of the things you didn't want to do, was end up in the lift with Steve Jobs. Why? Because he would ask you hard questions, and if you couldn't answer them, you may well be fired. There was this kind of paranoia about it, this pressure. You know, everyone has to perform at their limit. Otherwise, the company may dwindle. The company may lose its position. And you think, well, why couldn't Steve Jobs encourage people? Why couldn't it be the most wonderful thing in the world to end up in the lift with Steve Jobs? Why, why did he have to inspire fear? But that is how the world tends to work. People get higher and they become um, fearsome. Yeah, they inspire fear. Uh, what about the message of this? Well, look, this world's wisdom is just, in the end, ignorance. It's people thrashing around to try and find answers to questions they don't understand. Uh, and the, the pinnacle of this, really, is verse 11. Um, the poor old wise men, the astrologers, and um, all the rest of it, the magicians, enchanters, and sorcerers. Verse 11, they say, what the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods. And they don't live amongst humans. The gods don't live amongst humans. Now, Daniel uh, presumably was told about this. Yeah? 
But I wonder what Daniel thought. I wonder whether Daniel had a little laugh. Because really, the gods don't live amongst humans. You know your history of Israel. How did Israel find its way to Israel from Egypt? How did they find their way through the wilderness? God was amongst them. He led them, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He led them. What was in the middle of the camp of Israel? Well, it was the tabernacle. What was the tabernacle for? That was where God was. God was amongst them. God lived amongst men. Later on, they would build a temple by Nebuchadnezzar's day. There was a temple in Jerusalem. What was the temple for? The temple was so that God would be present amongst his people. And what was all that telling us? Well, all that was telling us that one day the Lord Jesus Christ would come. The Lord Jesus Christ would come and God would dwell amongst people. What is the pinnacle of human history? The great pinnacle of human history is that wonderful day when God will dwell amongst his people. That is where we're heading. But not in Babylon. In Babylon, they were heading nowhere. Nowhere fast. So don't be intimidated by the great powers, yeah? Whether they're economic powers, whether they're political powers, whether they're military powers. The most simple Christian has something that the great powers have never dreamt of. The most simple Christian has the spirit of Christ, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of God. God's spirit, if you are a Christian, dwells in you. And God dwells with humans. Alors, il faut faire un peu de ça en français. Um, Babylon, c'était uh, la grande puissance mondiale. On peut dire, uh, uh, sur le plan économique, sur le plan militaire, sur le plan culturel aussi. Uh, c'est intéressant de, de, de voir qu'à partir de, je crois que c'est verset 4 uh, de Daniel 2, jusqu'à uh, chapitre 7, et je crois aux alentours de verset 14, quelque chose comme ça, Daniel écrit en araméen. Araméen, c'était la langue euh, euh, que tout le monde parlait. Parce, pourquoi Parce que euh, Babylone, c'était la, la puissance mondiale culturelle. Un peu comme aujourd'hui, il euh, y a pas mal qui écrivent en, en, en anglais. Pourquoi Parce qu'en anglais, c'est parlé un peu partout. Euh, c'est comme ça. Alors, hein, Babylone, c'était la grande puissance. Mais aux grandes questions de la vie, il n'y avait pas de réponse. D'où on vient Où on est Où on va Il n'y avait pas euh, de réponse à ces questions. On a les mêmes questions aujourd'hui et la même ignorance. Euh, on n'a pas de réponse à ces questions. D'où on vient Où on est Et où on va Et notre meilleure réponse, c'est soit les possessions, hein, les, les choses qu'on possède, d'avoir de plus en plus de choses, euh, les tendances et tout cela... Le, la mode ou même euh, les, les choses techniques, la technologie, on aime bien ça et il faut que tout soit meilleur que l'année euh, précédente. Hein. Euh, le plaisir, euh, il y a une certaine résistance en France euh, au marché, euh, euh, on, dit, euh, on dira économique, c'est-à-dire la, la société de, de la consommation. On résiste ça, mais on, on, on remplace avec quoi Avec du plaisir, un bon repas. Euh, une bonne discussion entre amis euh, des choses comme ça mais tout ça c'est quelque chose qui passe ou la, le pouvoir euh, 
euh, avoir une certaine euh, contrôle sur les gens, euh, une, euh, la puissance, quoi. On cherche ça. Les choses qui passent. D'où le rêve du roi. Dans son ignorance, son inquiétude, euh, ça devient paranoïa et même euh, des menaces de violence. On voit ça euh, avec ces euh, experts, euh, euh, qu'est-ce qu'on dit en français les magiciens, les astrologues, les sorciers et les prêtres chaldéens ou chaldéens. Euh, on voit les menaces du, du roi. Il dit, voici, verset 5, voici ce que j'ai décidé, si vous ne me faites pas connaître le rêve et son explication, vous serez mis en pièces et vos maisons seront transformées en un tas de décombres. Et le verset, je crois que c'est le verset... Euh, J'ai perdu le verset, mais c'est le verset où euh, les, euh, les experts disent « Non, mais c'est trop difficile, c'est trop difficile, le verset 11. » Ben voilà, ce que le roi demande est difficile. Il n'y a personne qui puisse faire une telle révélation au roi, mis à part les dieux, or, ils n'habitent pas parmi les hommes. Les dieux n'habitent pas parmi les hommes. Et j'imagine Daniel euh, avec un peu de, euh, de sourire, parce que si les dieux, pas les dieux, hein, mais Dieu habite parmi les hommes, ben oui, euh, c'est clair, hein, euh, comment est-ce que le peuple juif est arrivé euh, en terre promise Comment Dieu les a guidés, il était en milieu de son peuple. Le tabernacle, ça servait à quoi C'était la présence de Dieu, le centre de la présence de Dieu. Euh, le temple, ça sert à quoi C'est là où Dieu est présent. Euh, dans son peuple, entre, euh, en plein milieu de son peuple. Et ça nous parle de quoi Ça nous parle de la venue de Jésus, Dieu parmi son peuple. Et ça nous parle de quoi Ça nous parle de la grande consommation de toutes les choses, hein, quand, quand euh, Dieu euh, euh, va demeurer, va rester en plein milieu de son peuple euh, à la fin du temps. Alors, le message, c'est quoi le message, c'est ce qu'il ne faut pas être intimidé par les grandes puissances de ce monde, parce que des empires euh, se lèvent et des empires disparaissent. Euh, et des empires, des puissances économiques et des puissances militaires et des puissances culturelles, tout va et tout vient. C'est comme ça. Euh, tout est remplacé par autre chose. Alors, il ne faut pas être intimidé, parce que le chrétien, le plus simple, a quelque chose et à une réponse que ce monde ne, pas, ne peut pas donner. Euh, l'Esprit de Dieu qui habite en nous, l'Esprit de Christ qui habite en nous. Second point, the man from elsewhere and the wisdom from above. Okay, the man from elsewhere and the wisdom from above. We're in verses 14 to 23. Uh, isn't it true that sometimes you need an outside opinion? So I'm going to this conference, I am 58, that is my age. Don't put that on the tape. Um, and I, I became a pastor in 1991. Uh, hands up anyone who was born after 1991. That's, that's really bad. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and tomorrow I'm going to Paris for a preaching conference where we have to do preaching workshops. Why? 
because it's good to get, get an outside opinion, isn't it? It's good to have someone kind of, you sit down and you talk about stuff and you say, well, how can we look at Daniel 2 and so on? And people give you an opinion. It's good. It's a good thing, even though I don't want to go. And, you know, um, there's an expression, a uh, poem in English, uh, well, kind of English. It says, oh, that God, the gift would give us to see ourselves as others see us. It's a poem by Robbie Burns. He wrote it in Scots. And it's true, if only God would give us the gift of seeing ourselves like other people see us. Wonderful. And so sometimes we need an outside opinion. And Nebuchadnezzar, he needed an outside opinion. An opinion that came from way outside, yeah? way outside Babylonian culture. And way outside anything this world could give. And so here was Daniel. And he's the man from outside. And he's enlivened, he's uh, animated, I think I can say that in English, by another spirit. There's another spirit that gives to Daniel what he is, makes Daniel what he is. And it's the spirit of Christ. And so Daniel hears that the king has had this dream and is threatening to put to death all the experts in Babylon because they can't explain his dream. And what does Daniel do? Well, he uh, acts according to the spirit of Christ. What does it do? Well, it, uh, the spirit of Christ tells him Meet with your friends. That's the first thing. You know, what is more natural for a Christian than meet with other Christians? There's nothing more natural in the world than that. It's what we want to do. You know, we meet other Christians and we go, oh, you're a Christian, that's great. And, you know, we, we immediately feel some kind of bond. Uh, why? Because of God's Spirit. And so Daniel goes and meets with his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, community. What's the other thing? Prayer. They talk to God about it. They say, God, we've got this problem. You know, the king is going nuts. He's going to kill all the experts and us, and us. Please give mercy. Uh, give mercy. They, they don't just say, God save our skins. They say, look, you know, give mercy. The, the, the city is in uproar um, and we need your help. And they're dependent on God. Daniel is dependent on God. And so, uh, animated by another spirit, captivated by another vision, Daniel and his friends pray. And the revelation comes from above. And just look at Daniel's response to that. He, he re responds to God in prayer. Uh, verse 20 down to verse 23. And he says something very similar to this. He says something like, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Well, that isn't exactly what he says, is it? But it is a bit similar. He says, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You've given me wisdom and power. You've made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us. The dream of the king. Why is it so much like Jesus' prayer? Because Daniel is so much like Jesus. Yeah? The spirit of Christ is in him. And so he prays. And he praises God's wisdom and power. He's the Lord of time. He's the king of kings. Uh, turmoil is his too. You know, he brings down one king and brings up another. Everything belongs to him. And the message of this then, and this is a much shorter point than the first one. To understand life, listen to the man who comes from outside, okay? To understand life, 
Listen to the man who comes from outside. Uh, as Christians, of course, we, we understand that. To understand our lives, the one we have to listen to is the Lord Jesus Christ. He comes from outside and explains life to us. Yeah? We'll never get it without him. We'll never get it without him. That's why your friends at the fac are so baffled. That's why your friends at work, they, they don't know how to live. When trouble comes, they don't know how to respond. They, they don't know what's awaiting them. They don't know where they're going. They don't even know where they are. And they certainly don't know where they came from. And you know. You know why? Because you listen to the man who came from outside. You listen to the Lord Jesus Christ, who came into this world uh, at the Father's will. Um, alors, um, l'homme, je vais dire l'homme d'ailleurs. Je ne sais pas si ça marche trop bien, mais est, il est venu d'ailleurs, quoi. Uh, et la sagesse d'en haut, c'est ça. Um, et c'est de verset 14 jusqu'à 23. Parfois, on a besoin d'un uh, avis qui vient de quelque part d'autre, uh, um, une vision de, de notre situation qui ne vient pas de nous. Hein? Uh, moi, je pense aux lettres persanes de uh, Montesquieu. Je crois que c'était Montesquieu qui a écrit les lettres persanes parce qu'il voulait écrire uh, un commentaire sur la, la culture et la société française. Mais il, il, pour faire cela, c'est difficile en tant que français. Alors, il a écrit euh, comme un, un persan imaginaire, ouais, qui écrivait à son ami les lettres persanes, euh, qui parlait des Français, le manière de vivre. Et parfois, on a besoin de ça, euh, un avis qui vient d'ailleurs. Bon, ça, pour euh, Nebuchadnezzar, ça c'est Daniel. Il est le, le monsieur, l'homme qui vient d'ailleurs. Il est animé d'un autre esprit, il est captivé d'une autre vision, c'est l'esprit de, de Christ, c'est l'esprit de Dieu qui vit en Daniel. Et on voit ça par sa réaction aux menaces du roi. Qu'est-ce qu'il dit Bon, la première chose, il cherche ses copains. Ses copains qui croient euh, la même chose que lui. Euh, C'est-à-dire Shadrach, Meshach et Abednego. Euh, la communauté chrétienne, la communauté croyante, on peut dire en ce temps-là, hein, et ensemble, ils font quoi Ils prient. Ils prient Dieu. Ils disent à Dieu, on a besoin de, de toi, on a besoin de ta sagesse, on a besoin de ton aide. Et sa dépendance de Dieu est, euh, est palpable. Alors, il y a cette, cette manière de réfléchir, de voir le monde que Babylone ne partage pas. C'est l'homme qui vient d'ailleurs. Hein, et euh, il prie et Dieu répond, il donne la révélation et de la, du rêve et de la signification du rêve. Et Daniel répond par une prière de reconnaissance. Et il loue Dieu d'une manière qui est euh, très similaire de la prière de Jésus. Quand Jésus, Jésus loue Dieu, son Père, pour, euh, pour avoir révélé ces mystères, les mystères du royaume aux enfants et pas aux sages hein? euh, la prière de Daniel on le trouve dans les versets 20 à 23 où il dit que le nom de Dieu soit béni d'éternité en éternité c'est à lui qu'appartiennent la sagesse et la force c'est lui qui change les temps et les séquences qui renverse et établit les rois qui donne la sagesse aux sages et la connaissance à ceux qui ont de l'intelligence 
C'est lui qui dévoile ce qui est profondément enfoui et caché, qui connaît ce qui est dans les ténèbres et la lumière réside auprès de lui. Dieu de mes ancêtres, je te dis toute ma reconnaissance et ma louange parce que tu m'as donné la sagesse et la force et parce que tu m'as fait connaître ce que nous t'avons demandé parce que tu nous as fait connaître ce qui concerne le roi. Cette révélation qui vient d'en haut. Alors, euh, en réponse à, à cela, euh, quelle est la pertinence pour nous C'est ça, c'est de comprendre, euh, euh, afin de comprendre cette vie et ce monde, il faut écouter l'homme qui vient d'ailleurs. Euh, ça veut dire quoi euh, Vous avez quelque chose de précieux euh, quand vous écoutez Jésus. C'est Jésus qui explique qui on est, d'où on vient, où on est, où on va. Et sans Jésus, on ne peut jamais comprendre. C'est pour ça que vos copains à la fac sont perdus. C'est pour ça que vos collègues au travail sont complètement perdus. Ils ne savent pas qui ils sont, d'où ils viennent, où ils sont et où ils vont. Ils ne comprennent pas. Et ce n'est pas possible. Ce n'est pas du tout possible sans euh, la sagesse qui vient d'en haut, sans la sagesse que Jésus nous donne. Ce n'est pas possible. So, third question, uh, point. And a huge passage, but quite a small point, really. Well, a big point, but it, hopefully short. Built on the rock or crushed by the stone? Built on the rock or crushed by the stone? Because Daniel sees things from God's perspective, and that is why we gather, isn't it? We gather week by week because we need to see things from God's perspective. We need to see things differently. All week, uh, there's propaganda coming at us, you know? Live for this, live for this, live for this, do this, do this, think like this, think like this. Uh, and we gather to get another perspective on life, to see things from God's perspective. And uh, Daniel sees huge things, the powers come and go. Uh, great powers come and go, powerful powers come and go, violent powers come and go. Uh, but all these powers that are huge and powerful and violent, they're all fragile. There are two little words that Daniel says to the king, and I just would love to see um, Nebuchadnezzar's face. It's verse 39, and I'm now looking at the French. Verse 39, where he says, look at those two little words, after you, after you. Your time is limited, O king, O Nebuchadnezzar, after you. What will happen after you? After you. And, and that is the fact of the matter, isn't it? Our time here is limited and we must face that. And Nebuchadnezzar must face it too. And so Daniel sees from God's perspective that Nebuchadnezzar will, will die. It, it's going to end, you know. And not only that, but his empire will end. And other empires will arise. Um, there's a, a lot of um, speculation over the nature of these empires, who they were. Okay? Uh, we know who the gold head was. It was Nebuchadnezzar. It was the Babylonian Empire. Um, generally, the opinion is that the next, which is the chest of silver, is the Persian Empire. Then we have the Greek Empire with Alexander the Great. Uh, being the, I think it's the belly and thighs of bronze, and then the Roman Empire, the feet mixed of iron and clay, okay? Uh, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter tremendously, 
Because Daniel's focus is not on these, these hugely impressive things. You know, can you imagine a head of gold on, on, a, on a chest of silver with legs and thighs of bronze uh, on this huge statue? You think, whoa, this is impressive, you know? And then even the, the feet of iron and clay, you think, oh, they're holding that up. <laughs> How amazing that that can, can all stand. But Daniel's focus is on something else. Verse 44, a stone appears. A stone appears. Um, it's, um, he describes it uh, earlier on as well, doesn't he? I can't find the stone. Now, very up, there you are. Thir verse 34, while you were watching, a rock was cut out but not by human hands, struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. And then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on the threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. Now verse 44, In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, not, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. What is this? You is this. That's what it is. This is God's kingdom, the kingdom that comes from him, this little stone launched at the statue, which demolishes them all and grows to fill the whole wide world. God's kingdom, indestructible. Verse 44a, um, it will never be destroyed. The church will never be destroyed. God's people will never be destroyed. Uh, final, it's, it's the one that, that, that endures forever. Nor will it be left to another people. There's nothing after. Yeah, we endure right through to the end. It's overwhelming. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end. But it will endure forever. It's supernatural. It's not cut by human hands. It, it just comes somehow. It's supernatural. But it's paradoxical as well because we've got this great statue of, of gold and of silver and of bronze and then a stone that doesn't even, it's not even thrown by someone. It seems to just come from a mountain and roll down and the whole thing is, is destroyed by this stone. It's paradoxical. It's just a stone, but it fills the whole earth. And that is what we are. And that is who we are. And that is where we're heading. We look insignificant, you know. I kind of often think about Bordeaux Church and uh, it's quite awesome that we can call ourselves a Bordeaux church, really, isn't it? Because after all, we're a city of getting on for a million people. And we are Bordeaux church, you know? It's, uh, it might seem a little bit arrogant. Um, but it's really nice to be able to call ourselves that. Uh, but you think, well, do we matter? Do we matter? You bet your life we do. We matter intensely. And when political parties have changed their names 40 times and then disappeared... Um, the church will still exist and still be going on. It will. Because it's God's people. It's God's people. It comes from God. And God is its life. And God will ensure that it always lives. Um, history confirms it, doesn't it? History proves that these things are true. Where are the traces of the Babylonian Empire? Well, um, 
I love to, when I'm in London, go to the British Museum. But you, in Paris, you go to the Louvre. And you can see traces of the Babylonian Empire. Traces. I don't know what the Babylonian Empire, what, where, where there are people who live under the Babylonian Empire. It, it's, not, it's not possible, is it? It's just gone, you know? Uh, the Persian Empire, gone. The Greek Empire, gone. Who speaks Greek? Um, the Roman Empire, gone. Gone. It's all gone. If you want proof of the, the power of God's people faced with the huge empires of this world, just open your eyes when you leave the building. Open your eyes. Here we are, met in the name of Jesus Christ. And there are the remains, the ruins of the glory that was Rome in Bordeaux. Last week somebody, no, it was Friday, somebody looked at the ruins and said, oh, they're nice. I said, yeah, it was better before. And it was, you know, kind of around about 200. It really looked good, you know, the, uh, the amphitheatre. Now, uh, you know, a couple of arches, that's what you've got. You couldn't sit in there. You couldn't do anything in there. They built on top of it. It's gone. The glory that was Rome is gone. But our glory is before us. Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Do you want to have a past? Or do you want to have a future? And that is the choice that faces all of us. Do you want to have a past? Or do you want to have a future? Building on the rock? Or crushed by the stone? Alors, c'est ça le, le, le troisième titre. <coughs> Parti sur le roc ou euh, écrasé par la pierre. Et euh, Daniel, il voit l'histoire de ce monde du perspective, de la perspective de Dieu. Il voit euh, euh, comment Dieu voit le monde. Quoi. Et euh, ces grandes puissances mondiales qui nous font euh, tellement peur, euh, ça vient et ça va. Ça arrive et ça, ça disparaît. C'est comme ça. Euh, ces grandes puissances euh, énormes, violentes, euh, sont tous, toutes fragiles. Euh, C'est dans les deux petits mots que Daniel adresse au roi. Il dit, verset 39, « Après toi ». Il dit, « Nebuchadnezzar, il y en a après toi ». Il faut se rappeler qu'il y en a après toi. Et pour Nebuchadnezzar, il y avait bien un après toi. Mais, dit Daniel, il y a quelque chose qu'il faut savoir. Euh, verset 34 pendant que tu regardais une pierre s'est détachée sans aucune intervention extérieure elle a frappé les, les pieds en, en fer et en argile de la statue et les a pulvérisés le fer, l'argile, le bronze, l'argent et l'or ont alors été pulvérisés ensemble, ils sont devenus pareils à, le bal, à la balle qui s'échappe d'une aire de battage en été le vent les a emportés et on n'a plus trouvé aucune trace d'eux. C'est disparu. Quant à la pierre qui avait frappé la statue, elle est devenue une grande montagne et a, et a rempli toute la terre. Ça signifie quoi Verset 44. À l'époque de ces rois, le Dieu du ciel fera surgir un royaume qui ne sera jamais détruit et qui ne passera pas sous la domination de notre peuple. Il pulvérisera tous ces royaumes-là et y mettra fin, tandis que lui-même subsistera éternellement. C'est ce qu'indique la pierre que tu as vue se détacher de la montagne sans aucune intervention extérieure. 
et qui a pulvérisé le fer, le bronze, l'argile, l'argent et l'or. Le grand Dieu a fait connaître au roi ce qui doit arriver par la suite. Le rêve est vrai et son explication est digne de confiance. Le royaume de Dieu qui, euh, qui dure quand tout, tous ces empires sont disparus, presque sans trace, presque sans trace. Euh, le royaume de Dieu, ça vient de lui et c est, c est, ça dure, ça perd dure. Et c'est euh, quelque chose qui ne va jamais être remplacé. Euh, c'est quelque chose qui va remplir toute la terre. Et quelque chose qui est surnaturel et paradoxal, parce que ça commence comme euh, une petite pierre, quoi. Mais ça finit comme une montagne qui remplit toute la terre. Et ça, c'est l'Église de Dieu. Et la preuve, on voit la preuve quand on sort de ce bâtiment. C'est génial hein, d'être en face du palais galéen. Parce que voilà la gloire qui était l'Empire romain. Voilà la gloire de Rome. Des traces, que des traces. Et les, euh, Rome persécutait les chrétiens. Hein? Rome pensait euh, effacer la mémoire de Jésus de la terre. Et quand même, on est là, quoi. On est là. Une petite pierre, ouais, mais ça remplit toute la terre. Et on est la preuve de ça. Alors, pour Nebuchadnezzar, et aussi pour vous, il faut choisir. Est-ce que vous voulez un passé ou un avenir? Est-ce que vous voulez bâtir sur le roc ou être écrasé par la pierre? Parce que c'est soit l'une chose ou l'autre. Soit on est bâti sur le roc qui est Jésus, soit on est écrasé par la pierre. Et tout ce qu'on construit dans ce monde et dans notre vie, hein, soit les possessions, soit la, la, le plaisir, soit euh, euh, ce désir de dominer, d'avoir une certaine puissance, tout ça, c'est fini un jour, hein, c'est fini. Et euh, seul ce qui est... Euh, consacré et donné à, à Jésus reste. L'avenir ou un passé. On va prier. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message of Daniel 2. We thank you that we can see ourselves how true this vision was. Um, we thank you for revealing this to Nebuchadnezzar. How tragic it was that Nebuchadnezzar, he acknowledged the truth of what Daniel said. He could see its relevance. He praised the God who was able to reveal that, but he never changed his mind and he never trusted in you for himself. And how easy it would be for us as well to, to be here and to think, yeah, 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 I can see how all these empires have disappeared, but the church still remains. I can see how the Roman Empire, we have the remains, the ruins uh, before us. But your church is continuing to grow and to fill the whole world. But not to commit ourselves personally. Heavenly Father, please don't let us be like that. Don't let us be like Nebuchadnezzar. Don't let us uh, just listen and think, oh yeah, that's very interesting and not make a move. Please help us to trust Jesus Christ for ourselves and to be your people, to commit to you and to your people uh, and to have a future and not just a past. 
because we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to... Um